and welcome back to The Daily Buzz. I'm your host, Dayton Olander. I hope you're having a terrific Thursday. Amy Schaefer, a journalism student at Salt Lake Community College, recently published a story on sltrib.com about Anton Padunyi, a former UVU student who lives in Ukraine. When Russia invaded at the end of February, his wife was nine months pregnant. Here's Anton telling his story of what life has been like during the invasion. The audio has been edited for length. I was a tour guide for a Utah family, and and then we exchanged some contacts. We've just been keeping up with each other. And at the end of my um, junior year, they asked me, like, would you like to study in the U.S. or something? And I said, well, yeah, sure. I mean, that would be an awesome opportunity. And they offered me to help with tuition um, and study at UVU. I studied digital marketing, and uh, what's funny about the story with my wife is that I met her on the first day. She said that she liked me like from the start. I didn't have that same kind of feeling for her. Um, and she's like joking that I will have to repay for that for the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, we've been just very close all this time. And then sometime in 2020, we just like, I asked her out on a date. And then since then we became a husband and wife. We made this decision to come back to our country because we love it so much. So we just lived a normal life. We were expecting a baby. Um, we had plans to give birth in Kiev. One of the last photos on my iPhone was us standing in the mirror, taking a selfie and me hugging my wife with her belly. It was the last photo that we've taken. And then a couple of days later, um, we woke up at 5 a.m., with uh, explosions in our, at our uh, military base. And yeah, since then, our lives changed so much. It was February 24th. She gave birth on March 2nd. So a week under, you know, all these explosions and this constant stress. So the hospital where we planned to give birth at, it was 500 meters away from this residential high-rise in Kiev. It was one of the first, you know, high-rise buildings that was struck by a Russian rocket. And we watched the news and I said, well, there is no way we'll go there. And like, because if we go there, we will be stuck in hell. My, my mom, she's, she's a midwife, um, but she's in Germany at this time. So she gave me a list of supplies that we need needed to get like a clamp and i was like running around the city to pharmacies because they they had like so many lines of people that wanted to get you know medical supplies thankfully we we decided that we will give birth at the hospital because my wife's relative was at the hospital and she said that it's kind of fine all the doctors are performing their duties so we gave birth uh, we stayed at the hospital for like 55 hours they usually ask you to stay for like at least three days but those were like such harsh conditions that we decided that we better go <laughs> like we, we could not stay there anymore seven days after we gave birth we heard the sound of a fighter jet and we didn't know if it was a Ukrainian one or if it was a Russian one. And it was approaching so rapidly and at a very low altitude. So we were like, well, I think this is the end. We, we were really prepared to meet our fate. And I remember my, my wife's grandma, uh, my wife was hugging uh, our daughter and uh, my wife's grandma was hugging both of them. And thankfully, it just flew over us and it went away. So at that 
moment, my wife was like, I cannot stand this anymore. We have to move somewhere west uh, to the western Ukraine because it's generally um, considered a much safer place. Thankfully, our baby is doing just great. I'm just so glad that she won't won't remember much of the stuff. She smiles like she wakes up at 6, 6.30, 7 a.m. We exchange with lots of smiles and she's like very happy to see her parents and grandparents. And my wife, she tries to find moments uh, of happiness. She does have um, some mental breakdowns from time to time because she wants the best for our family and she's just afraid that she will have to leave me because many women left their husbands because I'm not allowed to exit the country because uh, I have uh, obligations to serve in my country if I get drafted. Uh, but yeah, but many women left their homes and uh, husbands and they're saying like there's no point in life for them and they don't know what to do. And my wife also has these thoughts. What is the point of me leaving you? I don't want to leave you. We are doing pretty much good for now. Um, and again, I'm so glad that I'm working for an American company because I know so many people, people lost their jobs and are just stuck with almost nothing. Like Historically, freedom has not been very easy for us. And people know the price of freedom here in Ukraine. People who love our country, they want to stay here. And because they know that the price of freedom is um, so high, um, they are fighting for our country. To find out more about Anton's family, read Amy Shaver's article at the Tribune, which was published with the nonprofit Amplify Utah. On Wednesday, Senator Mike Lee remained silent about his leaked text messages to former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows that showed the extent to which he was involved in trying to overturn the 2020 presidential election. Lee refused to answer questions when approached by Tribune reporter Brian Schott on Tuesday evening at the Summit County Republican Party convention, and again ignored questions from Brian at an event in Ogden yesterday. Lee's campaign released a statement on Wednesday saying that after the Electoral College voted in mid-December, the senator, quote, made it clear that Joe Biden had won and would within weeks become the 46th president of the United States absent a court order or state legislative action in validating electoral votes, end quote. Although the text messages show that Lee continued to communicate with the White House about alternate electors that would endorse Trump. Lee will address Republicans again on Saturday at the Utah State Republican Nominating Convention. Our final story comes from Tribune Public Lands reporter Brian Maffley, who has a story out today about one company's plan to develop a solar array in southern Utah's Escalante Desert. Minersville Solar Energy LLC, a subsidiary of Invenergy, won a bid on a federal lease for more than 4,000 acres of public land. The company has to submit a development plan in the next two years and would have five years to build the solar farm. And that's it today for The Daily Buzz. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and let your friends and family know about us. You can listen to new episodes on any of your favorite streaming apps. I'd like to thank the Salt Lake Tribune's Joel Cardenas for editing the Daily Buzz today and Salt Lake City band the Pelicans for our music. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with more news tomorrow.